sometimes your history will help you if it looks like if you're unsure of its fungal infection or not. This one, Pityriasis rosea, your patient will say, oh yeah, it started with this one patch and then it spread all over and so that kind of helps direct you that it's Pityriasis rosea. This one, Guttate psoriasis. Um, sometimes I'll ask the patient, you know, did you have a cold? Did you have the flu? You know, were you ill before your rash came on? Yes, sometimes I'll get yes, sometimes I'll get no. If I get no and the patient will let me, I'll swab their throat to see if they've got a strep infection. Because this, won't, this treatment, and no matter how you treat the psoriasis, if you don't treat the strep infection, it won't go away. A few other things that tend to mimic fungal infections that we want to have in the back of our minds, the list of our differential. This one up at the top, oh, <laughs> this one up at the top is actually discoid lupus. So you would think it would be straightforward, but once the patient does their home remedies on it and they've been scratching at it and they've had a little sunburn on it, it can very much look like a fungal infection. Um, if I'm thinking lupus, if it's on the face, if it's on a female and I'm thinking lupus in the differential, I can certainly take a small tiny punch biopsy and send them for an ANA. The reason for both is because I want them to match and because sometimes the ANA is not positive with at the point that we're showing signs of discoid lupus. This one up here actually is a tinea, nice, classic. We know what it is and treat it well, no problem. On the bottom here is numular eczema, round, scaly. Sometimes they'll look like they're clearing in the middle. Usually people have had eczema on and off for their whole life, so hopefully the history will direct you that it's not a new onset, but something that they've had for a while, and it'll direct you towards eczema versus fungus. And this one, is these are on the fingers. This is actually granuloma annulare, but what was interesting about this patient is they had hand eczema so they were using antibacterial soaps and they were using steroid creams. So the granuloma, which would normally not be scaly, it would normally be nice and smooth, easily recognizable was not because of how they, they work in the health field, so how often they were washing their hands and they were very dry, scaly hands. So the presentation may not always be what you expect it to be. One of the questions that my patients always ask me is, where did I pick this up from? Because I don't understand why, but they think that when you diagnose them with a fungal infection, it's because they are of poor hygiene, they're not staying clean enough, it's a reflection on them as a person. So I try to reassure them that this is in Florida, everywhere in our environment. They could have picked it up at the gym. They could have picked it up sitting by the pool. They could have picked it up working in their garden, playing with their pets on the gym equipment. So I try to reassure them that this is not a cleanliness issue. 
usually for the workup for a fungal infection is fairly straightforward and can easily be done in the office with a few simple, simple techniques. Um, if you're CLIA certified, you can bill for these um, techniques. If you're not CLIA certified, then it's just to help you reach the diagnosis. Um, certainly, the first thing you could do is just take a scraping on a slide, put the cover slip on, let it sit, go see a couple of other patients, come back, look at it under your microscope. That may or may not help you because you may not find a positive result looking under the microscope. That doesn't mean the fungal infection's not there. Another, a little bit more specific um, workup you could do would be to actually do a DTM where you take a sterile cotton swab and moisten it with sterile water and actually really swab the area, put it on your auger and give it time to grow. The problem that I found when we did those in our office was the nurses would put the cap on so tight that no air would be able to get to the specimens and these won't grow if there's no air. And then the other Swing. The other side of that coin is sometimes the cap would be so loose that contaminants would get in and contaminate the specimen and you would grow all kinds of things that, that you didn't need to. Other downside to this is it can take one to three weeks and most of these patients want, want to know right now while they're sitting in your office what the diagnosis is. They want to treat it. They want it gone. And the, the best most specific would be to take a biopsy, send it off to the lab, ask them to do a PAS stain on, on it and tell you, is this a fungal infection or is it not? When I do biopsies and send them off, I do go ahead and start treatment as if it is a fungal infection with topical antifungals because I know that that won't make them worse and they feel like they're actually doing something while we're waiting for the results to come back. Woods lights. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I pulled mine out, <laughs> but if you have the time and you want to show the patient or you have a student in the office and you're teaching, um, it is interesting to pull the woods lights out and uh, see what fluoresces. Um, and once again, I tend to tell people that even if your Woods Lights is negative and your KOH was negative, that does not mean the patient does not have a fungal infection. If that is high on your differential, treat it as that first. The differential for these can be pretty long. Usually it's going to be the ones we've already discussed. It's going to be a fungus or it's going to be an eczema. It's going to be something common, but every once in a while it is not what you expect. It is that one rare condition that you just don't want to miss. And I'm leading up to this. I tend to have this slide in a lot of my presentations because we don't only do medicine, we do medical legal. And the number one reason for us to end up in a lawsuit is failure to diagnose or delayed diagnosis. 
So if your patient does not respond, they don't clear up, or they respond different than you expected, think that you have the wrong diagnosis and take the next step, easily done, do a biopsy. And if your biopsy is off or it's strange, feel free to pick up the phone and call your pathologist. Um, I have a very good working relationship with my pathologist. They're great about letting me call them. If they're not available when I call, then they get back to me. And it gives me a chance to say, this is what I see, this is what I was thinking, and it just doesn't seem to go with the diagnosis that you've come back with from my biopsy. You know, what is there any special stains we need to do? What other direction do we need to be going? So do try to have a relationship with your pathologist. Um, my supervising physician tends to let me go, and when I need him, I go get him. So if your patient is not getting better, they're not responding, please don't hesitate to go get your supervising physician and say, can you come look at this with me? Or when the patient comes back, have them on your schedule and the doctor's schedule so that you both see them at the same time. Um, I try not to just say, oh, you're gonna see the doctor in two weeks and I don't go in because then I haven't learned anything from the interaction with the physician. Um, and we definitely want each day to be a learning experience. Also, you need to document. If you call in your supervising physician, you need to document. Um, don't just, okay, they told me the diagnosis, here's the new diagnosis, here's the treatment. Do document that the supervising physician came in the room with you, saw the patient with you, you discussed the uh, differential with them and the workup with them. If it's not documented, you didn't do it. Uh, the other thing is feel free to refer to a specialist. We tend to, especially in psoriasis, we tend to involve a rheumatologist in our uh, treatments, especially if we're gonna use biologics. So I try to have a relationship in the community with other specialists so that once again, if I have a patient that I feel like needs to see somebody, somebody different than dermatology, I can hopefully pick up the phone and call them and say, this is what I have, this is what I see, can I send the patient over to you or can we get them in within a reasonable amount of time, not months down the road. And once again, I document who I called, what did we talk about, when the patient's gonna see them and how am I going to follow up, what mechanism do I have to make sure the patient actually went to see that doctor and that I got the referring physician's letter back saying what did they diagnose the patient with, how did they treat them. Once again, it's a medical legal, it's good medicine, but it's also a good medical legal system to have in place. Treatments. There are lots and lots of treatments for fungal infections great topical treatments, both prescription and over-the-counter, so it doesn't tend to be um, an expensive proposition to treat the patient. And nowadays, most companies have great copay cards where they actually make the patient's copay 
10 bucks or 25 bucks for the branded prescription if you really feel like they need to be on a branded prescription. So that's nice that we have that for the patient and the patient has access to those things. Some companies even have those copay cards for self-pay patients who don't have insurance at all. And I find that very helpful. Um, one thing I would suggest that you avoid, and I try to every once in a while talk to my primary care physicians that refer patients to us a lot, is not treat things with a cream that has both a steroid and a antifungal in one. Because if the patient doesn't get better, you don't know where to go from there. You don't know which didn't work the steroid or the antifungal. So try to avoid that uh, shotgun approach with treatment. These are hands. Hands tend to look like a lot of things because people wash them a lot. They use antibacterial soaps on them. Um, now the new fad is to use all these um, organic compounds from the uh, wholesale specialty organic uh, grocery store, and I sometimes tend to not recognize because of what they've been using on it. So at the top, this is truly a fungal infection with a nice, advancing, well-defined border. At the bottom, this is a hand eczema tends to be diffuse, the, the borders are not as well-defined, and this, something that I would not want you to forget in your differential diagnosis, is secondary syphilis. Um, so if you see things on the palms and soles, always keep in the back of your mind, could this be a secondary syphilis? Send them for a blood test. Oral antifungals, I know sometimes, especially when the patient is covered in a wide area, it's easy to say, oh, I'll just give them an oral medication and they won't have to smear creams all over. But a lot more risk to the patient and to you as a medical legal risk come into play with oral antifungal medications. We have great ones on the market. They come in liquid in case you're treating a child and pills. Um, usually in Florida, I don't have a hard time getting them approved for anything but onychomycosis. And then there's a prior auth paperwork. And once you've done it once or twice, you tend to know that you need to put, you have a positive culture, the patient has symptoms, and in my state, they require that the patient actually have some kind of medical condition that predisposes them like diabetes. A couple of things to remember before you write an antifungal script is lab work. My physician actually makes us send the patient to the lab and wait for the results to come back to us before we hand them the script or call it into the pharmacy, and there is a very good reason why. We obviously we want to do liver function tests to make sure that their liver is healthy and working well because these medications are cleared through the liver. Another thing we test for is uh, CBC, CMP. We want to make sure that they're actually within normal limits, 
that this patient is healthy, they're not dehydrated. We, if, the, if it's a female of childbearing years, we check HCG to make sure she's not pregnant because this is contraindicated in pregnant women and sometimes in the beginning they don't know that they're pregnant. And if it is an adult female and the fungus is on the face and I'm sending her for lab work anyway, I will check an ANA just to make sure that we aren't overlooking that this is discoid lupus on her face. So that's a lot of lab work to have to have done. So if you're going to choose these, really think that you should send the patient for lab work first and get the results back before you call the medication in. You could always start them on topicals and transition them to this. If you're treating on the scalp, you really need to treat for two to four months. Well, that's a big, interesting time range. How do you decide when the treatment is done? I tend to see the patient back at the four-week mark, see how they're doing, see them at the six-week mark, because is what I want to do is treat them until they're clear and then treat them for two more weeks afterwards to make sure that they are treated completely and that it's not going to just reoccur. Interactions with these medications. <laughs> I have had lots of people when I told them, you can't drink while you're on this medication then decide, oh no, I won't take the oral medication, I'll st just stick with the topicals and I'll put the cream all over. So do tell them, no, no alcohol and medicine go together. Also, if they are on cholesterol medications, if they take antacids, then these are not going to be compatible with your antifungal treatment. I like this cartoon and it brings up an interesting point. It says, Doc, I'm here to get a refill on my Viagra. And the doctor says, what about quitting smoking? What about the MRSA infection on your cheek? What about your broken arm? What about your weight? What about your rosacea? The point is, when the patient comes to see you, first and foremost, treat what they came for. If you do not, you put yourself at risk, medically, legally, at risk, because the pa uh, unhappy patient will call their lawyer. Happy patients are more likely to call you if they have problems or issues. And their priority is what they came to see you for. So first address what they came to see you for, and then say, while you're here, why don't we talk about this, that, and the other? Plenty of times people come to see me for acne. They're in these little tank tops and shorts, and I say, by the way, what about that fungal infection? By the way, what about that black mole on your shoulder? So usually what bothers you is not what bothers the patient, and that's fine to address it. You don't want them to walk out of your office with a medical condition that you didn't address but you do want to address their issues first so that they are happy with you as a provider. The other thing I see a lot of in Florida is tinea versa color. Um, my patients call these sunspots. They think it's from being out in the sun when really is what happens is when they're out in the sun, they then see 
the lesions that were probably already there anyway. These tend to be usually in the neck, the chest, the upper body, the back areas. That's where I see them the most. They're little fine, scaly, round uh, patches. They tend not to be very symptomatic. They tend not to be red or inflamed. Differential diagnosis and treatment options is what's interesting is, and patients don't like this when I tell them, is if you'll put on Celsin Blue at bedtime and wash it off in the morning each night for a week, you'll get a 90% cure rate. It'll go away. Um, they tend not to want me to treat them with over-the-counter medications. If they've taken the time to come to see me and pay to copay to see me, they really want a prescription. So the over-the-counter uh, sales in blue, it does work. It's pretty effective. And then if you do it once a week as maintenance, this tends not to come back. But once again, you do want your patients to be happy with you and continue with you as a care provider. Just so you know, these tinea versicolor, they look like brown lesions on light-skinned people. They look like white lesions on darker-skinned or tan. And sometimes on um, my African-American patients or my Latin patients, the primary care provider will have told them that they have um, eczema or they have vitiligo. So by the time they make it to you, it might not look what, like what you expect it to look like, but think these little hypopigmented spots on a dark-skinned patient um, certainly could be tinea versicolor. Once again, this is to reiterate um, what the patient thinks is a successful treatment and what you think is a successful treatment may be two different things. So do try to find out what their expectations are because this is what could happen. The patient comes to the office, they have a fungal infection, you give them a topical cream, tell them to use it for two weeks, come back if they're not improving. Well, they go home, they use it for a week, the itching stops, so they're happy. They stop the treatment, the fungus is still there, they can still see it, but they don't itch anymore. So they stopped using the medication, and a month later, they're back because the itching is back. So do try to find out before they leave your office, what are they trying to treat, what are you trying to treat? Because if their complaint is they itch, and then the itching goes away, they will stop the treatment. So do stress to them, treat the whole time, don't stop because the itching stops, stop when you don't see anything on your skin anymore, and that will help you hopefully avoid phone calls or too many repeat office visits and they're getting frustrated and, and unhappy because their issue doesn't resolve. And that is a beautiful sunset from the Florida beach where I live. All right, thank you very much. And I will be at the back of the room if you have any questions.